Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the nation. Glad to have you with me. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on this program. We have to begin in Kansas. We'll see if I can make it through this without sneezing. If you want to get a real snapshot of just how progressive the American press corps is, you should have been on social media last night as the voters in Kansas rejected an amendment to their constitution that would have stripped abortion language out of it. Kansas has a constitutional provision that uh, allows, uh, it basically makes abortion a constitutional right and allows state funding for it. And there was an amendment to the Constitution to strip it out. And uh, the National Press Corps, the National Political Press Corps, was uh, positively orgasmic last night that the measure failed. And they never bothered to ask themselves, wait a second, uh, how did it fail in a place like Kansas? They should be asking themselves, how did a provision like this get in their Constitution in the first place? Why do they have a Democratic governor? The fact of the matter is Kansas has a moderate strain among its Republicans and always has. You cannot uh, correlate a massive Democratic surge in November to this. In fact, a lot of the reporters who were so orgasmic about the abortion decision or the abortion vote in Kansas last night immediately jumped to, oh, thank God, the Republican wave. It's got to be at an end. They, they, they just, I mean, in Kansas, all these women turned out. Did you know the majority of new voters turned out after Dobbs? The new registered voters came out after that. They were all women. The Democratic wave is coming. I mean, you saw reporters, supposedly objective reporters. The NBC ones, by the way, were the worst. And in their ecstasy, firing up the orgasmatron of the votes. They totally missed what was going on. I don't want you to miss what was going on. There are a number of things you need to know about this vote in Kansas, and it's got to be the big story here today because the media absolutely, I looked uh, this morning when I got up and started doing show prep, the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, USA Today, uh, the Miami Herald, the Chicago Tribune, um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, basically, every major outlet, CNN included, uh, the abortion decision, the abortion vote in Kansas was the number one story. Top left, number one story. They totally missed what was going on here. There are a couple of data points. One of the biggest is that I think it still would have gone down in flames. But it went down in flames by substantial margins. That's what got everyone's attention. And part of the problem was the wording on the ballot. And interestingly enough, in the last month, there were multiple media stories about how confusing the language was. Let me read you what voters were voting for. Because this is the actual text that would go into the Constitution. Regulation of abortion. Because Kansans value both women and children, the Constitution of the state of Kansas does not require government funding of abortion and does not create 
or secure a right to abortion. To the extent permitted by the Constitution of the United States, the people, through their elected state representatives and state senators, may pass laws regarding abortion, including, but not limited to, laws that account for circumstances of pregnancy resulting from rape or incest, or circumstances of necessity to save the life of the mother. Let me walk you through this again, because you do need to understand this, because this is something the media has missed, that I have talked to plenty of pro-life groups who suspected this whole thing was going to go down in flames for the very reason that no one can understand what this is talking about. You're adding this language to the Constitution. Because Kansans value both women and children, the Constitution of the state of Kansas does not require government funding of abortion and does not create or secure a right to abortion. Wait a second. Does that mean the current Constitution of Kansas doesn't do that? Because this goes on to say that uh, under this, uh, the, the, the legislature may pass laws regarding abortion. I mean, that's the very next sentence. To the extent permitted by the Constitution of the United States, the people through their elected state representatives and state senators may pass laws regarding abortion. But 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 wait, it just first said the Constitution of the state of Kansas does not require government funding of abortion. It does not create or secure a right to abortion. And now you're saying that now they can pass laws regarding abortion? What's going on here? That's the problem. I guarantee you a number of people who are pro-life but not plugged in read that and said, well, this adds an abortion right. The very first sentence says there's not one. And the second sentence says now we're going to give the legislature the right to pass laws to have abortion. That's one issue. The second issue is that you can't track partisanship to this issue at the state level. Mississippi a number of years ago had a um, – personhood amendment. It would give the unborn fetuses a personhood right. And it failed, overwhelmingly failed. At the same time, Republicans swept everything in the state. Republicans swept absolutely everything. Massive Republican turnout, and that provision failed. So you can't correspond these. You know, down in Florida, they gave felon, uh, felon voting rights restorations overwhelmingly backed by Democrats. It passed in the state. Republicans said to oppose it. It passed. Republicans won everything, but that passed. Ballot measures and partisanship don't necessarily correlate. So you had the confusion. You've also got the lack of correlation. You also had the fact that 60% of the vote in Kansas went to the Republican primary. So you actually had a more massive Republican voter surge than a Democratic voter surge in Kansas, and yet this happened. So you can't really say, well, obviously there's going to be a massive Democratic wave in November. Look at what happened in Kansas. Where did the massive wave in Kansas come from? Republicans, not Democrats. But then there's one more thing. So what? The whole point of the Dobbs decision is this. Without the Dobbs decision of the Supreme Court, this vote would not have been possible. That's all the pro-life movement ever wanted. Allow us democratically to have the discussion, allow us democratically to be able to persuade. Do not preclude us by judicial fiat from being able to change minds. 
They did not change minds in Kansas. Part of it is the pro-lifers in the legislature, uh, led by some zealots who were, from what I'm told by a lot of pro-lifers, duped by some uh, supposedly well-intentioned pro-abortion activists who were willing to help them uh, put this up for a referendum. They, They screwed up the language. The language overwhelmingly confused. Now, there was an explanation tied to this language on the ballot, and that explanation in and of itself suggested that there would be no ability to have an exception for rape and incest. It was hyper-confusing. They willfully screwed up the language through a lobbying effort. But so what? The whole point of the Dobbs decision is not to make uh, ban abortion nationwide. It's to allow people to decide this democratically, and Kansas has decided it democratically. That's what we wanted. Now, if you're pro-lifer, you may be disappointed in the result. You should actually blame the people who wrote the language. That had a lot to do with it. The nebulosity of the language, including the suggestion that there would be no exception for rape and incest. I know if you're a diehard pro-lifer, you are opposed to the rape incest exceptions. You're opposed to it. I know a lot of people who are. It's a killer at the polls. You, you, you don't allow a rape and incest exception. Georgia passed its fetal heartbeat ban, and the only way it was able to get the votes was to put in a rape in, and incest exception. Uh, some pro-life groups came out against the fetal heartbeat measure because it had a rape exception. Think about that. They would rather keep abortion than get rid of most of them because of the rape exception. The rape exception scares women because guess who gets raped in this country more often than not? It's not men getting raped women more often than not so the pro-life community is now going to have to realize that uh its principled positions have to face politics but it was never allowed to face politics until the dobbs decision and that's what we wanted the first test went for abortion supporters we'll see how far out they go you will probably see referenda in states. I would advise the pro-life movement. You probably need to learn some lessons from this. One is you can't do a total ban on abortion. It's not going to work. You may want it, but it will lose. People would rather preserve the right and say, I just don't want one. I'm not going to have one, as opposed to taking the way, the way the right altogether. I warned you guys this would happen. I told you a lot of the people who claim to be pro-life, now that Roe v. Wade has gone away, would reveal themselves to have never really been that committed to the cause. And you're seeing that. The other thing you're seeing is just how willfully biased the press is against the pro-life cause. They cannot even bring themselves to acknowledge one of the issues in Kansas Kansas was the absolute uh, obfuscation of the legislation, the absolutely muddied watered down weird language on the ballot literally again i want to read this for you this is what they were asked to vote on because kansans value both women and children the constitution of the state of kansas does not require government funding of abortion and does not create or secure a right to abortion to the extent permitted by the constitution of the united states the people through their elected state representatives and state senators may pass laws regarding abortion including, but not limited to, laws that account for circumstances of pregnancy resulting from rape or incest or circumstances of necessity to save the life of the mother. What does that mean? If you are pro-life and plugged in, you probably knew. But in my experience, most of the people who show up even at primaries 
are not plugged in. They know there's an election. They want to do their part, but they're not plugged in. And the language was confusing. And you're not hearing that talked about in the media today. All they want you to know is that the pro-lifers were smacked down by everybody in Kansas. But the other thing you need to know is just how biased and hostile to the pro-life side these reporters exposed themselves to be last night. The number of NBC reporters from MSNBC to CNBC to NBC that I saw, the blue checks, who were positively, I mean, they're suffering from priapism, even the women, over the decision in Kansas last night by the voters. that They just, I mean, it's been four hours. They all need to go to a doctor. The level of partisan cheerleading by the press on this issue shows you how the pro-life movement never gets a fair shake. The fact that they can't even do that. The fact that they're jumping ahead and extrapolating from Kansas to nationally in November is the other big problem here. 60% of the vote in Kansas went to the Republican primary, and a lot of those Republicans voted against this amendment, probably a lot of them because they didn't know what they were voting for. They were deeply confused and thought they were suddenly putting an abortion right into the Constitution. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It was decided democratically. And if you are intellectually honest, members of the press exposed themselves last night as not being so. If you are, you need to acknowledge the whole point of the Dobbs decision was to settle abortion democratically instead of based on judicial fiat by seven black-robed men from the 1970s. And that's a win for the pro-life movement. Everybody asked me about bowl and branch sheets. I actually put up a picture the other day. We got some in our house because we order from them. We actually are customers. They're like, oh my gosh, are they really that good? Yes, they get softer every single time you wash them. I mean, they use 100% organic cotton threads. They're super soft. You get such a good sleep. They have just a great weight to them. Like I had a pair of sheets we actually threw away when we replaced them with Bull and Branch where is they were just like too light and also not very soft. The Bull and Branch, they're perfect. The drape across your body when you sleep, absolutely perfect. Bull and Branch uses the highest quality threads on earth for superior softness, for a better night's sleep. They've got over 10,000 stellar reviews. Their signature sheets come in nine neutral colors in all sizes from twin to California King you will feel the difference and they're 100% free from toxins no pesticides no formaldehyde no harsh chemicals get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code eric e-r-i-c-k at bolandbranch.com that's bolandbranch b-o-l-l-a-n-d branch.com the promo code is eric e-r-i-c-k i was gonna save this for later but i can't uh because it's on my mind and I just, I, I got to go here now and play this for you. The Poet Laureate of Baseball, the best there ever was, the voice of heaven. Those are just a few of the ways colleagues have described the great Vin Scully. But to Dodger fans, he was simply known as Vinny. In 1949, Vin was recruited by legendary broadcaster Red Barber to cover college football for CBS Sports Radio. His first assignment was a Boston University game that he broadcasted from the roof of a frigid Fenway Park, doing so without a coat or gloves. Barber was so impressed he asked the 22-year-old Scully to join him and Connie Desmond in the Brooklyn Dodgers booth for the upcoming 1950 season. 
After Barber left the Dodgers in 1953, Scully became the youngest man ever to broadcast a World Series game at the age of 25. When Dodgers owner Walter O'Malley moved the franchise west to Los Angeles in 1958, he didn't hesitate to bring his broadcast team of Jerry Doggett and Vin Scully with him. Together they played a pivotal role in introducing Los Angeles to professional baseball and their boys in blue. Baseball remains the perfect canvas for Vin's artistic broadcasting palette. It was only fitting that Scully continually found himself in the catbird seat for the game's biggest moments. What a marvelous moment for the country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the Deep South for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. It looks like he's going to burn a flag, and Rick Monday runs and takes it away from him. And so Monday, I think a guy was going to set fire to the American flag. Can you imagine that? He's got it. The Los Angeles Dodgers have just about done the impossible. In total, Vin Scully called 25 World Series, 12 All-Star Games, 3 perfect games, and 18 no-hitters. But perhaps he saved his best work for the single most important swing in the Dodgers' 100-plus year history on that fateful night in October of 1988. High fly ball into right field. She is gone! In a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. While he wasn't always comfortable with the spotlight, Vinny not only understood but embraced his role of ambassador for the game of baseball. Four, it's one! city of Los Angeles. Let's hear it, Vin Scully! And the loyal fan base of his beloved Dodgers. One of the great rewards in my life is the privilege of broadcasting Los Angeles Dodger baseball to the nicest fans in the world. While some broadcasters find it difficult to mask the That's Vin Scully in the Dodgers tribute for him. And I got to tell you, so he was the uncle of one of my good friends. Um, a, a Dan McLaughlin, who writes at National Review now, he started writing with me at Red State uh, back when we started. Uh, and Vin Scully is his mother's brother. And so his family uh, is at a loss today. We all are. I mean, the man is the voice of baseball. I was trying to ascribe to my wife. It uh, doesn't matter what team you root for. You hear Vin Scully in your head when you're watching baseball. Uh, the man is an icon. And as someone who does radio, uh, this is a man who no one will ever do it as well as him. And you just kind of know that when you get the job. Vin Scully, uh, dead last night, deep, deep, deeply committed to his faith and to his fans in baseball, not just the Dodgers. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. So I encourage, and I, I want you to know this. I'm not being flippant. I'm actually being serious. I want you to know that I actively encourage stupid people to not listen to my program. 
I would like to raise the median IQ of my listeners at all times. My job is to make you as smart as possible, to make you smarter and more knowledgeable and in the know of all the latest headlines. That's why in this program, I focus on the big stories of the day. What is everybody talking about in the news? Because I want you to be able to talk about it and to know more than all the other people who are also talking about it. So you're the smartest person on the block and you become the influencer of your community. So people rely on you. It's not for me to tell you what to think. It's for me to give you all the information and teach you how to think so you can arrive at your own conclusion, even if it's different from mine. So I am very notorious for encouraging uh, people who, let's just put it this way, if they jump from their ego to their IQ, they would die. Uh, I'm in, I, I, I try to encourage them to go elsewhere to make room for smart people. So I received an email from someone yesterday. The first tip that this person is not very bright is their email address from Noel or Noel uh, shows that they are a Tennessee Vols fan. You can tell right there. We got someone with mental issues, Philip. This is the email. The subject line is your assault on Trump's supporters breathing. Supporters breathing is one word. And then it says this, sent from my iPhone. Let me give you a piece of advice. I heard you today breathing Trump voters. Your smart ass comments came through loud and clear. We will begin a campaign towards your sponsors to get you off the air. You are not a conservative. You are a Democrat in conservative clothes, cloths. So enjoy our ride. We have more power than you. So buckle up, loser. There was no punctuation. It was just one word salad right after sent from my iPhone. It came because I said yesterday that if Donald Trump could not speak with moral clarity on the need to not nominate a man who beat his wife and tied up his uh, mistress and beat her, uh, he probably needed to sit it out. And if you didn't get that, maybe you needed to do some self-reflection. So I replied to Noel, the Tennessee Vols fan. If you choose to contact my sponsors, please learn to spell, use punctuation, and sound more intelligent than the email you sent me. Also, I'd appreciate it if you would listen to another show, as I'm constantly trying to boost the median intelligence of my audience. Just without you, the median IQ would go up at least 25 points. God bless. Eric Erickson. All I'm telling you is that there are all sorts of other places that you could be going instead of getting mad at me and sending me your hate mail. All I'm doing is telling you what I think, and you don't have to agree. And before I even tell you what I think about a situation, I at least try to explain ad nauseum the details of the situation so you can think for yourself. But there are some people out there who don't think, expect me to do their thinking for them, and then when they don't like what I think, get mad and decide to harass my sponsors. All I'm going to say, I will also say, One way around this is for those of you who subscribe to my daily email. If you're a paid subscriber, this person can take away every single advertiser I have 
and they still can't stop me from being on radio because all the money that comes in from paid subscribers to my Substack email, it goes to pay the satellite costs and the costs of the people who work for me. I don't get any of it. I get paid to do local radio. I don't get paid for all this stuff. This is where you come in. If you want to subscribe because you get my show notes where you literally will get every single thing that I am talking about on radio sent to you just as the show starts. So you can follow along. If I miss something, if I've gotten it wrong, you'll see it. And you can reach out. You can email. You can comment. No one else can in that thread to say, hey, you got this wrong, buddy. Just just go back and read it for yourself. You misread it. You can do that. All you do is text the word show to 33777. You get the podcast. You get the live stream. And then at the very bottom, you have the link to the daily email. And you can subscribe. And Noel, if you're out there. I would gladly comp you a subscription so that you, too, get a little smarter and maybe get a better college football team. Now, as to the rest of it, we need to get into what happened around the country beyond Kansas last night. Now, I, I got to confess something here because I'm, I'm seeing the hate mail come through from one person, Philip. He's probably wearing his ugly orange shirt with the big white T on it. There was a little passive aggressiveness in my comments to Noel because Philip also is a Tennessee volunteer fan. And I, other than by birth, I don't know why he subjects himself to supporting the team other than he was born in Tennessee. It's not like he's lived in Tennessee. It's not like he has memories of living in Tennessee, but he was born there and has felt obligated to continue to support a team that continually disappoints him. It's just sad to see. I mean, he had to develop a love of Tampa Bay Lightning hockey and learn hockey just so he could have a winning team in some sport somewhere. So, yeah, there's a little passive aggressiveness with the Tennessee stuff. I apologize if you're a Tennessee fan. Just understand it's not directed at you. It's directed to the person who, if he doesn't listen to me, he would lose his job. So he says this is their year. Yes, it's their year to suck again. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. I got to move on to other things. Leave my employees alone. So there was an election last night around the country. Uh, Peter Meyer lost in Michigan. Peter Meyer was the young Republican. He's been on this program a couple times, actually. Uh, he was the guy, you will remember, he had been in the military, and he sneaked himself into Afghanistan because the Biden administration would not allow him to go. And he wanted to see the withdrawal for himself. So he sneaked in on his own was smeared every which way by the Democrats for doing it and revealed just how badly the withdrawal was going. But on his third day on the job, he's only one-term congressman, his third day on the job as a Republican congressman, he voted to impeach Donald Trump over January 6th. So Trump came for him and won last night. John Gibbs won. The Democrats, though, spent more money elevating Gibbs than Gibbs spent on himself, which is pretty telling. So I got to tell you, I disagree with Meyer on a lot of stuff. He's a very moderate Republican, but I appreciated that he actually had some principle and integrity and was kind of hoping he would win, knowing I would be in opposition to him a lot, way more than I would with John Gibbs, who beat him in the primary. But I appreciated uh, his principled stands, even when I disagreed with him and knew he would still agree with me about 80% of the time. John Gibbs came to fame by denying that uh, the election was legitimate and uh, championing everything that happened on January 6th as a denier. And that just struck me wrong that uh, a guy who believes the lies or the truth probably shouldn't be the guy going to Congress. But the Democrats funded him, and now I want him to win. 
I want John Gibbs to win so bad I may have to write him a check because I think the Democrats need to have their nose rubbed in the fact that they're the ones who made it happen. They spent way more on him elevating him, making sure everybody knew who he was, making sure they knew that he was the guy who believed the election was stolen and he's a bad fit for Democrats, but they targeted Republicans with the message and the Republicans bought it. He should win. The Democrats need to learn. You play in Republican primaries to pick your candidate. We're going to make sure that candidate beats you. So everybody needs to step up and support John Gibbs. Now, frankly, the Democrats have got to learn this lesson. Now, the um, the big story, though, beyond that one is in Missouri, the right Eric won. Eric Schmidt is the attorney general of Missouri. I am a big fan of his, have been for some time, uh, like the guy tremendously. He's an excellent, excellent conservative. He's got a, an appropriate populist streak that fits the age. And uh, Donald Trump can say he endorsed him because he endorsed Eric, but it was between Greitens and Schmidt. He should have said Eric Schmidt. He did not because his future daughter-in-law, Kimberly Guilfoyle, worked for Eric uh, Greitens. Greitens, I don't think, got above 20%. Brightens, Greitens, uh, he floundered around. I don't know what he'll do. He'll go back under the bridge somewhere, find someone to smack around. Uh, the man's a sociopath. And all the Republicans, it's appalling that he got as, as much of the vote as he did. At least he didn't get the nomination, but good for Eric Schmidt. The other thing is Vicki Hassler, uh, she could have gotten out. It was very clear she was not going to win. She's always been an opportunist, and she could have gotten out, exercised some leadership for the future, and she chose not to. She chose to hang in the race instead of standing down. Uh, and we should also remember that, but we should really remember are all of the grifters and opportunists who lined up behind a man who beat his wife and his mistress and tried to get the man into the United States Senate. Bernie Marcus. Bernie Marcus, I am told at one point, put some money behind Greitens. Did he not pay attention? Bernie Marcus is the uh, Trump-supporting Home Depot guy. Lives here in Atlanta. I've never met him, but he was apparently, from what I read in the paper this morning, a Greitens supporter. How on earth do you give money to a man who beat his wife, tied up his mistress and beat her too, and sexually assaulted her? How do you do that? I don't know. I mean, this is the thing I'm learning about billionaires. They live in a different world than you and me. They are cloistered. They are surrounded by yes men. And uh, nobody's going to challenge them. No one's going to say, hey, man, uh, this probably isn't a good idea. Uh, someone around Marcus who's in charge of his political giving should probably be fired uh, for telling him to support a guy who beat his wife and his mistress. Pathetic. All the Republican donors who supported that guy. Uh, they lost. Good. Their money was wasted on him. Maybe they'll learn their lesson. He never should have been in Congress or never should go to the Senate. And, and you know, he was forced out of the governor's mansion there. The other race is Arizona. Blake Masters ran a very good campaign. I like Mark Brunovich, the attorney general, who ran a terrible campaign, uh, but he got the big uh, voting win for the for the conservatives in the in the U.S. Supreme Court. I thought he was owed victory by the voters just because the big win he gave us, but he wasn't Trumpy enough. Blake Masters, I don't actually think is as Trumpy as he claims. I suspect, much like some of the other people who are getting elected, he has navigated with his language choice the suggestion that he is not exactly what he is. 
People bought it, and he will be a brilliant member of the U.S. Senate. I'm, I'm interested to see. Uh, he Now he's going to have a fight on his hands with Mark Kelly. The Arizona gubernatorial race is still too close to call. Carrie Lake can probably get it. If you've listened to the – um, what's her name, um, Lake? Um, if you've listened to me talk about that race, I haven't been excited about Lake or the other lady. Robeson, I think her name is. They both seem to be just, I mean, I find Lake off-putting in her personality that she conveys. I know a lot of people like it because she's very combative. I just found it off-putting. And then the other lady is so tied into the lobbyist community. I mean, she'll be terrible. Uh, Whichever one wins, though, I actually think they'll be able to win the general election. And what you're hearing from the media out there is, oh, Blake Masters, he's toast. Oh, it doesn't matter which Republican it is now in Arizona for the governor's race. They're toast. That lake lady, she's absolutely, I mean, she's going to be destroyed if she's the nominee. This is the media bubble talking. The media is in bed with the Democrats. They're dismissing J.D. Vance in Ohio, a state that has trended further and further right. He's doing well in the polls, but it is a media Democratic bubble fueling this, this perception by the media that these people cannot win. It's the very same reason the media was so shocked that the Kansas abortion thing failed last night because there's, oh, it's Kansas. Those are red hicks and rubes. Of course, they're pro-lifers. They're like, oh, my gosh. And also the polling, the primary polling was pretty bad in a lot of these places. Emerson College of all things looks like um, they've done pretty well, but a lot of the primary polling was terrible. And we should keep that in mind as well. But this whole idea for the media, you know, John Gibbs can win in Michigan, Michigan three. He can win. Uh, Blake Masters can win. Um, you, I, either of the Republican nominees for governor out there can win. This dismissive nature of the media right now inside the Democratic bubble. Oh, all my Democratic friends say this is the one that can't win. Now I'm telling you, they can all win. Why? The economy, stupid. The economy matters more than anything else, and they all have a message on the economy. You stay on that message, you're going to lure people over while the Democrats focus on other things. I got to tell you, this is one of those days I need to run my Eden Pure Thunderstorm because my office is so dusty. I mean, y'all should see my microphone. I need to dust it. I'm just inhaling dust. Uh, The Eden Pure Thunderstorm gets rid of the dust. It gets rid of the pollen, the mildew, the mold. It also, most importantly, wipes out odors. I really like it for that reason. In fact, I've got one running on my back porch right now because something chemical smelling is in my back porch and it needs to go. And the Eden Pure Thunderstorm can wipe out the odor. You can get three of them for less than $200 right now. Uh, You can get uh, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement or your back porch. I've got a screened-in back, glassed-in back porch. Your RV, you can plug it up in your car with a USB cord or directly into the wall, slightly bigger than your hand. I keep one in my suitcase if I'm traveling and there's smoky odors or pet odors in a hotel or a rental car. You can too. You go to EdenPureDeals.com. You put in Eric3, E-R-I-C-K-3. You'll get three of them for less than $200. You're saving $200 and you get free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com and the discount code is Eric3. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here from my flagship station, WSB in Atlanta, Georgia, coming to you across the nation. The phone number, if you want to be on the show, 877-973-7425, should you wish to be here. Um, I, I, I just, I want to go back to Vin Scully for a moment, please. Uh, for I was, I was explaining this to my wife this morning. If you, 
I am not a massive baseball fan. I, I love to go to the games. I grew up a Cubs fan, live in Georgia. From the If you're from the South, because of Ted Turner and TBS, you, you're just a Braves fan, generally. My sister was always a Dodgers fan growing up. Um, I like the Dodgers fine. Um, I But I the Braves and the Cubs and the Cubs, you know, I, so I know the owner of the Cubs, which is kind of cool. Um, he's a super guy, very nice family. Don't really know anyone in, in it's, it's so I, I know one of the owners of the Mets, one of the owners of the Cubs, one of the owners of the guardians, uh, the owners of the diamondbacks. Just, I, how do I know all these baseball owners? Very weird. Don't know anybody, uh, with, with Liberty and the Braves. Uh, but I like going to the games. I, I don't necessarily like watching it on TV unless I'm with a group of guys and we can talk through the games. By yourself, watching a baseball game on TV can be kind of boring if we're honest. But Vin Scully, he is the voice of baseball. You've got Euchre, you, you've got him, uh, you had Kerry, um, the Carries, uh, but a man. Nobody was an announcer like Vince Kelly. It's it's very much like Rush Limbaugh in talk radio. You know, Rush was actually a very good friend of mine, and I commented to him one time that I never wanted to do national radio as long as he was alive because there was no way I could ever compete against him. He was just that good. And he actually put me at ease. He, he, he laughed, and he said, uh, don't worry about that. You'll never be as good as me. Just be yourself, and you'll be fine. And it was actually very reassuring to hear that. You know, stop trying to think I got to compete with her. You'll never be as good as Rush. Nobody in radio ever will be. It's the same with Vin Scully. Uh, there is uh, no one will ever be as good as Vin Scully when it came to this. He was the master of his craft and a deeply, deeply humble person in person. He was the uncle of a dear friend of mine. Um, and it's just, it's it's kind of remarkable. I know many of you are like, I don't watch it. I don't know who you're talking about. I had to explain it to my wife. But, man, for those of us in broadcasting of anything, anyone who's ever watched a baseball game, Vin Scully is the voice. Like in talk radio, Rush Limbaugh is the voice. In sports broadcasting, there are very few iconic voices. He's not the only one in, in sports, but he's the dominant one in baseball and one of the dominant one in sports and and. Just uh, prayers for his family. That is that is a tremendous loss. He only retired a few years ago. Did sports broadcasting. Laid into his 80s. Didn't travel as much with the team, but all the home games and some of the closer games he did. And so prayers for his family.